Welcome to the All Things Data podcast. This is Jansen. And Victor. Today we're here to talk to you about humans versus AI. Well, maybe not versus, but humans and AI. Um, and by here, we don't actually mean here anywhere. We're at our houses. Of the <laughs> That's right. It's still going on. <laughs> Remote podcast. But yeah. yeah, we wanted to talk about, you know, what are humans really good at? What are machines really good at? And how do humans and machines work together? And, you know, maybe what the future holds for us. So, um, yeah, start. Like, realistically, uh, I mean, I've been one of the people who's do who's done a little bit of uh, AGI. So why don't we start with you talking about what humans are good at? Because I am obviously not a human. <laughs> what What is AGI? Uh, artificial general intelligence. So that's the almost scary AI that people fear. So in a talk that I generally give, I say that's your C3PO uh, for people who, you know, for the lay people who don't really understand AGI or reinforcement learning or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and the stuff that people are super scared about uh, and has been in movies for a long time is the super intelligent stuff. So artificial super intelligence. And that's where we get to a point where the AI is so damn good that it just keeps teaching itself. And, you know, depending on its computational power within minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, whatever, some, some amount of time, it will be so much smarter than us that we will become, you know, basically it's minions and it will be our old <laughs> Skynet slash the matrix or T 3000s, you know, it's oh. not quite the same, but like that's in the talks that I give, that's usually what I show is T 3000 coming <laughs> for you in like a blaze of fire. It's a very Nicholas page looking uh, <laughs> movie poster almost with uh, the metal, the metal T 3000, no Arnold part of it at all. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about humans. Yeah. So what is like, a human? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting, we're, it's time to get meta. Yeah. So like, yeah, what, what is it that you know, or, or have read or have seen that uh, humans are very good at where machines and AI have trouble with? I think, I mean, it depends on your, it depends on when, you know, I mean, machines are definitely getting better, but you know, I mean, understanding and processing like unstructured data. So I think that's, you know, that, that sounds really hardcore, but you know, the whole cat, uh, cat image recognizer. So basically, you know, Google or uh, a bunch of companies, they are just kind of trying to figure out if I put an image into a machine, is it going to be able to recognize it? So, you know, people at the beginning, they fed thousands of images of cats and, um, one day, you know, they, the model is trained and then they send a cat image in and it's like 60% of the time a computer can recognize that it's a cat. Then they're like, wow, this is great. And then, you know, they're like, but you know what, we're going to retrain it. And it's like 75% of the time now. And this uh, model can identify a cat. But if you give this to like a five-year-old, they can identify it pretty much 100% of the time, right? So, so would you say AI then in that instance, is that like a two or three-year-old level? Yeah, two or three year level on that specific task. You know, okay. I mean, I think we train, a lot of people train AI into very specific, being able to do very specific things. But as humans, you know, we're, we're multidimensional, right? We can move, right. we can think, we can create things like that. So, I mean, machines, I think, will 
if you specialize in certain things, I think will be good. But, you know, humans in general are just, they're able to connect a lot of dots. Um, but, you know, also like reading text, interpreting text, rephrasing, things like that, um, picking out themes. I think it's funny because all these things you talk about are basically the, uh, the first lead-ins from Google's CAPTCHA to try to train their machine. You know, it was, that's right. let's go and figure out what text looks like. Let's go and figure out what is a cat, what isn't a cat, what's a stop sign, what's not a stop sign. So that's yeah. right. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that, that kind of leads to the idea of decision-making, you know, there's a, the idea of autonomous cars, you know, if you're driving and if you swerve one way, you have to swerve. And if you swerve one way, you're going to, you know, kill a squirrel. If you swerve another <laughs> way, you might, you know, hit a human, Right. How does the machine decide, you know, things like that. So there's, there's frameworks and or stuff. Or maybe even like an 80 year old is on one side and a 10 year old is on the other side. That's right. And that's right. So you have to hit somebody, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, as a human, there's moral dilemmas and, but there's, you know, decision-making that needs to be made. And I, I mean, when you're, when you're thinking about that, you're, you know, people obviously will have their own frameworks that they use, but, you know, I, I guess the idea of having flexibility and in thinking, you know, when these move into like military situations or like natural disaster recovery and, and whatnot, you know, when you have, at least with the machine, it's predictable humans, not necessarily, but. So like what goes into a human's decision-making there? Like that's does right. religion come in? Does culture come in? Like, what do you think actually happens in the example of, I have to hit somebody and it's either going to be a 10 year old kid or an 80 year old uh, senior? Well, I think there's a, there's an idea of like, if you have to make a split second decision, are you actually making a moral decision, right? You're not necessarily computing all this stuff. You might, maybe you're right-handed and you just swerve right, you know, or maybe you're looking in a certain direction or you can't distinguish that this is a, you know, a person uh, or in that, or not like a, I don't know, some sort of other object, but you know, I think there's, there's a lot of, so factors. is that where we're, us as humans are better? It's, we can make decisions with incomplete uh, information or data. I think so. General Powell was saying something like anything more than 60% of information is too much. <laughs> and then you get into like analysis paralysis, but I feel that, you know, understanding, um, being able to maybe connect the dots and making decisions based on not fully available data is something that intuition is something that you know humans would uh humans have and machines don't so there could be a a factor in that but i I think that with the human touch you know i i don't know i mean i'm not an an ethicist or a person who studies humans but the idea of like improvisation the idea of you know being able to uh make decisions and kind of go with the flow is something that humans you know, can do like jazz, right. Or music where you're just kind of riffing off each other and, you know, getting cues physically from people. And, you know, like there's all these other factors, there's all these other data points that are there that maybe you're not, uh, a computer is not uh, necessarily open to, but also uh, that maybe humans consciously aren't open to either. Yeah. I guess that makes some sense. Uh, and then you're talking about creativity and uh, I guess like analog or not analog, but adjacent information in a problem if we're talking about humans themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot also to be said about 
just the generality of the data that we take in. It's not necessarily that we need, you know, very well labor, labeled or annotated data. We're humans. So That's right. our mind kind of goes to the annotation and labeling almost immediately uh, rather than having to have like this pre-step, right? So uh, I guess that leads into the idea of we're very good at uh, being able to process all kinds of unstructured data. Like we don't even see it as data, like the lay people. That's right. Definitely don't, right? But it's uh, also like we have a huge data store in our brain too that we can pull from. I think we have a lot of heuristics. I mean, mm -hmm. we're getting meta about this. We have a lot of heuristics and shortcuts and rules of thumbs that we operate on. And sh like our brain shortcuts almost everything, which is why we're able to make very quick decisions. And that's something we haven't really on at scale in any way developed for computers, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think the, like the processing of unstructured data itself, because we're so damn good at it and we're good, at, like you said, with Colin Powell, like basically if there's more than 60% of the data, I know too much. Um, mm -hmm. we, we can basically get to at least a good answer, a good enough answer really quickly like almost and that's i think what gut feel is for humans wouldn't you agree yeah and i mean it's it's that element of critical thinking right um right where you know there is a bit of gut there is a bit of um making sense of like separate bits of information and then you know yeah. connecting the dots to say like whoa these two things may be related and i don't need to train the machine to see if there's a relation, you know? Um, yeah. So, and then figuring out the best course of action with that information. And that kind of leads to the net, like critical thinking. And then like this idea of like strategic thinking, right. Where, you know, being able to make decisions on the information that you have and the complex relationships with them, and then kind of forward thinking about, you know, the actions to take and, right. you know, synthesizing data into or you know the information that you have into some sort of plan that you can do later yeah absolutely i was gonna say like, uh, this. like this <laughs> the, yeah the the parts that really jump out at me where humans i guess don't fail but aren't quite as critically good at uh or maybe it's not even that we're not critically good at them it's more that they're quite boring like there's a lot of stuff that we have traditionally and in the past looked to, I'm air quoting automate, automate away. And like automate might just mm. be a class thing. You know, it could very well be, I'm going to get labor to do this. Or, you know, mm. at some point it wasn't labor. It was, I'm going to get slaves to do this. But like you have had very many part or like uh, periods throughout history where automation was super low tech, but you were automating tasks. And I think the common theme there is, I want to automate the stuff that is either like too heavy for me to do because I'm a weak person or it's mm -hmm. going to be way too repetitive and I'm going to get bored of this really quickly. So I get what I mm -hmm. deem and like I deem in air quotes again, uh, what I deem to be expendable labor, uh, when, mm -hmm. whatever that is for that period in history. And I get them to do the repetitive tasks. That's, That's right. where I feel that AI is pretty good at right now. Right. And I, I think it's those, and, you know, it comes, it comes down to that idea of, you know, information to make decisions, right? At the end of the day, 
all this data, all this analytics and modeling and all this stuff is here to make decisions, right? And decisions are made based on instinct, they're made on gut, but they're also made on data. And people who say like they can only make, you know, the, the idea of data-driven decision-making, I think is yeah. a little out of style now almost because it's like data-informed decision-making is I think more of the paradigm that we're in now because instinct does play into it. You know, ex- industry expertise uh, plays into it. You know, like the things you've seen over time you know, do play into it and you need data to make the, the choices, but you still, you have to make the choice, right? Sometimes right. it's super I mean, obvious. Both of us are pretty sportos, right? So like, yeah. this kind of rings in my head a lot about uh, like the, the start or the, the early money ball. So like, uh, what is his name? Billy Bean or whatever, the guy mm-hmm. from Oakland. Yep. Billy Bean. Um, uh, and then like getting into, even if you look at, because we are Toronto based, if you look at our previous NBA coach, he was very much a gut feel, you know. Uh, Dwayne Casey? Uh, yeah, Dwayne Casey. He was gut yeah. feel, like old school coach. Like, I know my players. I know who has to play all this stuff. And yeah. the coach who came in after him, and he won coach of the year before he left. The coach who came in after him is a slightly different coach, much more in the data experiment. Like, he's almost like a mad scientist of a coach, but it's because he's very data informed. And I think the team lacked that in what they were doing before. And it unlocked a bunch for them. Like, of course, there's a ton of other changes with that team anyways, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it, well, their it, defensive schemes are like very interesting, right? And yeah. they're trying yeah, new they're things. Completely and... data informed. Those, those schemes are just like, yeah. I don't care if, you know, you're embarrassed that this is a high school play. Like that's it's right. the right play by the, the data. triangle. So, that's yeah. Right. Let's run a high school play, you know, let's run zone all the time because it just works. That's right. And I mean, it. I mean, you have to have both, right? You have to have the coach or the executive or the person, you know, willing to, to use those tools because I mean, the tools can be out there, but as long as it, uh, as long as nobody's using them, it's, you know, there's no value, right? So it, it has to be both. And then, once they start using them, obviously the level of sophistication and stuff, you know, really plays into really plays into it. But they get that idea of using the tools available and like the statistical statistical techniques and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, you know, we kind of talked about humans and what they're good at. You know, yeah. create being creative. Um, you know, working with un- processing unstructured data, improvisation, critical thinking, decision yeah. making, strategic. Lots thinking. of things we're good at, huh? Yeah, we're we're good. We make, we make we make some good music. We do some cool art, and we, you know, we we survive. But what about machines? Like, what what's AI really good at? What's the thing that you know we'll never be able to to catch up on, or or AI just definitely has like that clear advantage? I mean, much like I kind of started to uh, talk about, it is the repetitive stuff right now. It's a lot of the numeric. Like, imagine that your data is spreadsheet like that's pretty easy to get AI to do stuff with. If your yep. data, um, if you're doing a very repetitive task, you can actually do physical systems that are autonomous and uh, automatic, so AI. Uh, they don't even have to be, you know, like learning systems. They're just systems that will do the same task over and over and over again. That's not so different from the world of like PLC in manufacturing where you just program a thing to always do the same thing. Right, like That's a automaton, like automaton. I'm just going to cut this piece every time. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. I mean like every single one of your cars, if it's less than 
probably like 30 years old has been made by robots, you know? Right. Like there is a human in the loop somewhere, but the majority of that work is, is robots now because that's right. You know, like why would you want a human doing all of the spot welding and all of the stuff when it's dangerous? And as a business owner, like the GMs and Hondas and whoever the world, you don't want to pay the person on the line to be welding there. So it's much easier to just have a robot that's always doing it and it's never and sick. And, very, and also just like no variation, right? It's no, the exact absolutely same like every dead time. on every time. Exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're very repeatable. And I mean, you, even in that world, you can see the companies that actually still do things by hand and have uh, like the staff or the, the manufacturing yeah. done by people are the companies that we all aspire to own. So it's the Bugattis, it's the Bentleys, it's the Ferraris of the world, right? Uh, the commodity car, so you know, driving down price is really all about how do we automate a lot of this? How do we use AI for it? And you know, right. let's all let's all have a Camry or let's all have a, a Chevy Bolt. I don't even know if that's a car. That's right. I don't really care so much about cars, but uh, so yeah, they're definitely good at that. Uh, all machines are. We've gotten better at uh, machine uh, image recognition. So for the last four and a half, five years, we've gone away from computer vision and more to neural networks for this. And you get to a place where finding out if a cat is a cat is a much easier problem than it used to be. Uh, And it makes it so that machines are good at this stuff. Uh, Like really other stuff that machines are good at in the creative realm, even if you want to go there, uh, you can generate neural networks that actually uh, will be air quote creative. I mean, they're creative to a degree. They're creative yeah. by by looking at like a past corpus of information and then creating or generating something new. So you could do that with text. You can do that with images. You can do that with art. Uh, and it's been done. And I mean, you can go to YouTube and yeah, and you can see like the AI, yeah. the AI driven art. Uh, so yeah, like in the generative, uh, the generate generative world. Wow, that's a hard word to say. Um, you have, yeah. yeah, you have companies uh, that you may even like use on a consistent basis, like we have, um, to do some work. And you're like, oh, that was really quick what they gave us. And then you start realizing, oh, in the background there's actually a GANs. So that's uh, a generated uh, adversarial uh, network. And basically you're, you're saying, I have sort of like the octagon of MMA here. And I have several networks that are going to duke it out until the better one comes out ahead, right? So that's a very high level uh, view of this, but they mm-hmm. can then create things uh, which are seen as art by humans, uh, even though it's a representation of like, you know, past work that they've been shown. That's right. Yeah. So it's been trained up and they, I mean, they do it with music. They do it with uh, art. They've had the ones where they've hooked it into a robot and then they have the pencil sketching something out. Yeah. Really cool. No, those are, that's really neat. So do you think that that's going to replace human art? Do you think that that's going to replace human musicians? Is there going to be a new, you know, center of art from, uh, from the machine world? I mean, with the current incentives that the world operates on, which is very much capital, uh, there's yeah. there's a, a likelihood that if we stay in the same model, uh, a drive to the bottom and a, a drive to growth and a drive to more profit all the time 
could lead to that. So in terms of generating this art, uh, it's possible that the incentives of the world really kind of put, and the incentives of capitalism really push us in a direction where it'll be a race to the bottom and we won't really care about novel art, but we'll care more about profit. So I don't know if, if we're going to believe that what um, machines are creating is really good art. Like, I don't know that they're going to produce Shakespeare or they're going to produce Tolstoy mm -hmm. or they're going to do Bach or, or Beethoven or something. But who's to say that a machine can't produce something based on those works that is good, new. better, or, or just new generally, and that we appreciate it. You know, like there's a ton that we just don't have access to because we have a very narrow and small field of view, small minds and all that stuff. And we mm -hmm. don't utilize all the power that's there. So it's mm -hmm. possible that we go down the road of machines are now uh, the creators of these things. And we're focusing more on tuning these machines and doing other higher level tasks of sort. That's right. And what, what else do you think in terms of, um, you know, you said machines really good at repetitive tasks. Are there other tasks that, you know, AI is really good at? Uh, well, say art? Uh, just general, like all the financial data, all of the tabular data that exists in the world, you know, mm -hmm. crunching through absurd numbers of records and looking at uh, time series data. That's always something that machines are great at. And we're, yeah, we're so, so at like, you'll have some actuarial people that are actually mm -hmm. pretty good at that stuff and have like a gut feel for it but I think the majority of the world is not really good at envisioning what a huge amount of data or a huge amount of numbers looks like. Mm -hmm. We're also really bad at envisioning as humans, we're really, really bad at envisioning super large numbers. So whenever we do need to deal with large number of records, large number of fields, any of that, or even just like a very large equation because the AI, the, the matrix multiplication that happens for neural networks is absurd. So if you as a human try to deal with that, it's going to be hard to solve that series of equations. So obviously that makes a lot of sense for computers. So and there's then, like a lot of like computation involved. There is. So like really, if, if you think about as a human, we have a limited store. We're like, a, I don't know, like a 286 with like one gig of RAM or one gig, one megabyte of RAM. <laughs> 286 you know? being the computers that our parents had. Yeah, in so the, like in circa 1980s or something, right? Yeah. Uh, late 1980s. But uh, we're looking at the way machines can compute this stuff and can have a ton more memory and a ton more uh, data involved in the computation. Mm -hmm. So they might be akin to today's computers. And we're looking at, okay, well, the artificial general and artificial super intelligent computers are where we think quantum might go. So there are leaps and bounds throughout the whole thing, but it's, it's not necessary that humans need to be bad at something for computers to take it over. Like That's we're, right. you know, we're generally really good at saying whether a cat is a cat and yet we've given that task over to computers for self-driving cars and for self-driving trucks and for all the autonomous stuff that we do. Right. And it's not just cats being cats. It's a lot more than that, but mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, just generally, uh, we're going to get closer and closer to this world where the best solution is not just a human or not just a machine, but as we've seen with 
chess and AlphaGo and Jeopardy and all these other things. That's right. Uh, using a machine and using a human to inform each other back and forth is the way that you become guru level immediately. So you can take a novice at a task, uh, like a thinking task, let's say, uh, and power them with a very intelligent AI that will do a lot of that work for them, like the thinking work, let's say yeah. chess. Uh, and that person can probably be, if, be like the world champion in chess, if that world champion is acting as just a human and not with a machine as well. That's right. Like the human and the machine kind of work together and like the human basically gets the summary of all the data points and then that the machine puts together and says, Hey, look, here's your two best moves in chess that you could. That's make. right. And right. you know, be, with chess being a time thing, like a human still wants to impact it with its gut feel. So it's just like, I don't have to go through every possible move and every possible scenario mm -hmm. in the world. I've seen so many matches and been in so many matches that I know moving Rook here is going to be a very positive thing. And I don't even need to wait on the machine to give me that one. That's right. Well, and I mean, over time, computers have augmented humans, right? And I never think that, you know, AI is going to take over because, I mean, think about, you know, 50 years ago when spreadsheets didn't exist, right? Everyone was doing everything by ledgers. And yeah. One human could, you know, paper ledgers and every human that worked on it or every accountant that worked on it had a calculator, some sort of adding machine, maybe an abacus. And they were, yeah. they were able to, you know, calculate, you know, a hundred rows in five minutes or something. Right. Now it's like when you bring in the machine, now you can calculate 10,000 rows in five seconds. So um, at that point, your, uh, the machine has like sped up your work for you, but you're not losing value in the, the work that you're doing, you know? So it just, it's kind of like you have someone that's helping you out. So for example, another one, I've, another story I've heard, uh, a friend of mine was working at a, a, a very large data company and they help detect fraud. And they're like, look, no human could ever look at, you know, 1 million transaction records in a, you know, for a store and they can, their machine is able to detect fraud in real time at a certain level or flag fraud. And that information is brought to a human. And then the human is like, okay, this looks fraudulent. That looks fraudulent. Or let's go investigate this one. Let's not worry about that one, et cetera, et cetera. So like the human is becoming augmented in a way, right? Like they're able to bring in more data to themselves and summarize it and then make decisions on it. That's right. And I mean, beyond all of this humans getting good, there's the learning systems as well. Uh, and I think very recently there was an H2O demo that was put out, or maybe it was an open AI demo or something like that where, and it was visual. So like we could appreciate it even if we didn't understand the math or, or the code behind it, uh, where two actors by actors, I mean like little avatars or little, you know, uh, I guess characters in a game of sorts. Yep. Uh, played against two actors that were computers. So there was good guys and bad guys. And the good guys, I guess maybe the bad guys, weren't allowed to be caught by the good guys. So they had to right. figure out how to move blocks and how to get around stuff so that they were never found. And obviously we look at that whole, uh, I guess, arena 
and we're like, oh yeah, I would definitely do this uh, or this or that or the other. I would right. hide behind this block and put a block in front of me. But the machines ended up breaking almost like the physics of the game because they were like, this is possible because whoever created this game didn't code in the fact that I'm not allowed to do this. So I'm going to do this. So it then goes to a completely different set of constraints or gets rid of a set of constraints that it doesn't know exist because those are kind of constraints that we impose on ourselves with physics or with reality. But in that kind of arena, there's no reality. So it's only whatever you coded in, right? Yeah. And then the people were saying like, oh, this, I remember seeing something like that. And then you're watching the demo happen and you're like, whoa, that's interesting. Like they're doing things that are, you know, not thought of before, but that was kind of like with AlphaGo too, right? When, you know, if, if anyone knows AlphaGo out there, that's, you know, the, the Asian kind of chess strategy game that's mm-hmm. uh, significantly more complex than chess. But after AlphaGo had its rounds, it, realize like they realize that there's all these new strategies that humans have never thought of and like that forever changed the game you know it's like people pulling moves that they've never seen and then they're like whoa why didn't we think of that but (laughs) i mean obviously data informed there's the that's right the recent guy who went in and basically moneyballed jeopardy and went non-stop by all he was doing is looking for big numbers and big daily doubles all the time and betting it all I mean, yep. he's smart, so he's going to do well at Jeopardy regardless, but he eclipsed the previous guy in like 30% of the time mm-hmm. or something like that. It was a short amount of time and he had already passed like the most winnings ever, right? Yeah, and that's changed the way people play Jeopardy forever. Yeah, right. So exactly. So like, you know, machines informing humans, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's, no, and that's super interesting. And like, do you think, you know, it, that's always going to be the case? Do you ever think AI is going to be taking over human jobs? Or do you think that AI is going to supplant, you know, the human worker in general? So I'm optim- I'm a little optimistic about this, uh, much in the same way that we thought the locomotive or the steam engine or the printing press or the loom was going to take all our jobs, or then mm. the computer was going to take all our jobs, right? We, as a species, find higher uh, level thinking things to do or higher level tasks to do, or we create completely new industries because there's a new bunch of technology that displaces a bunch of people. So there will definitely be, I think there will definitely be like a huge amount of replacing of jobs and replacing of tasks uh, in the future, in the near future and ongoing uh, as we get better with AI. Uh, but I don't know that it's going to be like completely a zero sum game. I think we're going to get rid of some jobs that are, that are traditionally and maybe are already antiquated. Yep. Uh, and we're going to replace them with machines, robots, computers, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will create jobs to service those machines, service those robots, service. Absolutely. Them. And then there's going to be all kinds of adjacent stuff around it, right? Like if you create, a new kind of material for the robot that didn't exist before. And now you need the people creating those materials. So there's jobs in that realm. So it, it's going to be a very large interplay and it's a, a big societal thing. Mm-hmm. And I think what the media likes to do is make like reduce this down to a sound bite, which is machines will take your jobs, but yeah, machines may take your job, but if you They'll retrain properly, ones. create like society will figure out how to create new ones and put That's people right. to work. Well, it's like telephone operators, right? I mean, yeah. 
it's not like all of a sudden in one day every telephone operator in the 1930s lost their job <laughs> and there was you know immediate glut of telephone operators kind of sitting around not doing right. anything right so i mean those things take time to transition i mean that's it that's happened in manufacturing that's happened in like you know agriculture that's yeah. happened in like natural resources like mining and you know just lumber like cutting trees yeah. down you know so i mean those things are always inevitably going to happen but there's always going to be the jobs to service like things are just going to be moving into more technology focused jobs right it's yeah i think it's like akin to societal cognitive dissonance it's like we don't want to lose these jobs because we know how to do them already and we have part of the economy set to it but in trying right. to keep these jobs when there's an easier better faster cheaper way to do them <laughs> requires huge government intervention or even if it's not government corporate intervention or something so it requires a ton of money being pumped in to keep those people working that job that no longer should be worked that's right so you get to a place where what where is the value in that job being done by a human why don't we train that human why isn't there a program to train that human to become higher level thinker that's right and well i mean it's it's things like i mean even with spreadsheets right going back to spreadsheets it's not like yeah. every accountant lost their jobs when spreadsheets came mm -hmm. right accountants could process more data at this point they were able to make better decisions right but it's not like again there wasn't a glut of all of a sudden you know accountants sitting on the side of the road asking for asking for for money but even with retraining um you know you can't retrain a minor to become not every minor is going to become a computer science person right or not every minor is going to you know or every fisherman is going to be something else but these things all take time right and you know, the older generations will probably retire out, you know, the ones in the middle will probably get retrained. And then the, the folks at the bottom are kind of at the start of their career, and they're going to learn those new skills anyways, right? So I mean, the minor thing uh, in the Appalachians, yeah, they did the code uh, camp, they did code camps for minors. So basically, people who had generally high school education and no more. Yeah. And uh, there was huge, huge, huge amounts of success with that. Yeah, that was a that was a really cool real story. web dev jobs. So like, yeah. I don't know. I challenge the fact that you can't train miners to do this, and I don't mean miners O R S. I mean yeah. miners B R S. <laughs> miners, <laughs> miners. Yeah, like um, people from a mine. Yeah, and here. I I just think that you know there's always going to be transition. Like, not everyone is going to become a knowledge economy worker, but no. you know there's opportunity. There's there's abundant opportunities, right? You know, it's like soda machines. They're not replacing everybody. They didn't replace everybody in the eighties, but you know, now there's soda machines out there and people are servicing those soda machines and restocking them and et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, wherever there's new technology, there's new opportunities, but those are always going to supplant something else, but yeah. it's, you know, humans are always going to be working. Um, just sure. maybe not doing the tasks that they're doing now, but yeah, um, yeah I mean, that was, uh, I think that was a good wrap up or a good summary of, you know, yeah. humans versus AI. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the, the big takeaway is that humans plus AI is a lot better than AI over humans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a versus, right? I think the takeaway is that it's not a versus, it's a plus. Yeah, it's a plus. And like, it's only going to make things better. And I think it's only going to kind of evolve us in the types of tasks that we're doing and the types of work we can do. Absolutely. 
Cool. Well, thank you uh, for listening, everybody. Uh, All Things Data Podcast coming to you every week. If you have any topics that you'd like to discuss, we're always around to listen. Uh, You know, this week was brought by uh, two of our listeners. So thank you for reaching out and giving us some fodder. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, and have a great week. Take care. Bye.